Okay. Hello. How are you? Hi. I'm 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 super. Hi, I was going to say good morning or good afternoon, <laughs> and I realized, oh yeah, there's a time difference. So good evening on your end. <laughs> good, good evening from Singapore, my dear. Hi, so everyone is coming you. in now. I'm Fafani. So this is just a recording from my podcast, Conversations with Fafani. I reached out to this amazing woman called Simone Heng. Am I pronouncing it well? You you have and let's make sure I the founder is it. how I say your name. Get it. Trust me, it's been butchered. It's the no. How do I say it? It's very very important. Co-founder, co-founder. Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you. I'm so grateful that. Solva Rain the DJ. Good ears. Good ears. I'm so grateful that you responded to my DM. You. amazing soul and i'm so glad that the algorithm has found, found our way we found our way to each other so to speak and so today we'll be talking um about something of interhuman connections but before we get into that um can you briefly introduce yourself and just let on, on our audience I'm so tongue twisted I'm so nervous i've been thinking about this for weeks don't <laughs> be nervous i'm so like It's Hello. just you and me, honey. No need to be nervous. No need to be nervous. Um, my name, yeah, my name's Simone Heng, and I'm a best-selling author and certified speaking professional. I speak globally on the topic of human connection, and I'm based Brilliant. here I mean, in Singapore. You're holding back on it. When I did Google, you said you worked in radio and and you know, TV and so many other things. So back on that. And let us know exactly the work that you've done. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, I guess the re- I left media um uh four years ago now, and so I well almost four years ago now, and so I really um just really when I say goodbye to something, I really say goodbye to something, and so. The work that I do now is just so much more fulfilling and I think important that I don't often talk about uh the broadcasting that I used to do um besides a bit of a joke here and there but it honestly the work I do now feels like the work that I was born to do that I should have always been doing and so <laughs> I actually forget I could tell you more that you know all the all the Fortune 500s that I've spoken for that I'm so excited um I've spoken for the likes of Meta, Google, um ByteDance who own TikTok of course, uh, the United Nations. Those are the sorts of things that get me really excited because of course the bigger the organization it allows this message to have more impact versus the kind of work I did as a broadcaster that I always found to be quite not always at the beginning I loved it but definitely as I got older to be very vacuous oh and now they're going to start construction <laughs> just as I've said that uh but I felt I just always felt that the work I did as a broadcaster just didn't really it wasn't really me at the end um yeah I'm sorry I don't know why that just started it's 6 o'clock at night but you will know in Singapore we work all hours of the day yeah, so really uh, that says a lot you know, it says a lot and how on why Singapore is such a progressive nation but either that okay on that we talk we're talking really about your book uh, the secret pandemic why why did you write this book uh, what inspired you to really get into it 
Yeah, thank you so much as well for um, giving me the chance to talk about it. So, I have, I, have you read it already, my love? Did you manage to get a, you got a copy, right? Fingers crossed, Okay, all right. Um, yeah, so I, the book is deeply personal. So I started off um, wanting to write it for really practical reasons. A book allows you to almost do like a degree in whatever topic you're speaking on. So I knew that it would make me better in the human connection space by doing it and allow me to have some credibility. And what I didn't realize while doing it was how much I would fall in love with the process of writing the book to the point now we're planning books two, book three. I absolutely loved writing again after many years away from it. And the inspiration for the book was that my specific work on human connection was the intersection of, at that time, the work that I was doing is really about trauma, mental health, and how it affects how we show up and connect with other people. And that became a book that was intertwined with a lot of learning lessons, but also my personal story, which is why I think it's gone on to do quite well. And um, brilliant. yeah, but that's why I wrote I mean, the when book. You're really, when I uh, kind of listen to your interviews and you know your videos in which you, you were advertising the book you talked about the loneliness crisis and how that's something that you occurred before the actual pandemic can you kind of touch on that yeah so the world is currently citing and this is the globe all the all the way over not just particular places but you know, the highest rates of loneliness. It's a loneliness pandemic of its own, which is why the book is called Secret Pandemic. And this was happening before we went into COVID-19. And the problem with this is that loneliness, a lot of people don't realize, is a precursor to a lot of other health issues like um, obesity. It destroys your immunity, so it leads to early death, but also depression, anxiety. Loneliness. All Loneliness is all a precursor for these issues. So you really got to read the book. It's yeah, you didn't know this? I feel like I have the curse of knowledge because I've... So what actually happens when we're in um, evolving as early people, we evolved living in tribes. And as a result of that, our brains quickly equated that there was safety in numbers because we were connected with other people. They would protect us from predators like saber-toothed tigers, foreign tribes, and keep us fed if there was a famine going on or we were ill and we couldn't feed for us, fend for ourselves, the rest of the tribe would join in. And so as a result of that, even to this day, our brains are wired to be connected to other people. However, since the internet age, we've never been lonelier than we've ever been because we're living more and more siloed. So this is how loneliness affects your immunity and re reduces your lifespan, okay? So people who are healthily socially connected live um, around seven years longer than people who are lonely. And how this works is if for some reason you were cast out of the tribe during those uh, days in hunter-gatherer societies as early humans, you would not survive long. Without your tribe's people to protect you, you would be murdered by another tribe, you would be eaten by a predator. And so what would happen is your body would immediately go into a fight-or-flight response, flooded by stress hormones like cortisol. And that's what happens today when we perceive that we're lonely or we are lonely. We still get that cortisol and it's not on an incidental level bad. It's just telling us, hey, quick, yeah. go out and connect. You're a bit lonely. However, what happens with people who are lonely for a chronic long period of time is that those stress hormones are going in their body, flooding them over and over every single day. 
And so this is why it damages their immunity and they actually die earlier. So human connection is really, really good for your physical as well as your mental health. And a lot of people don't know that, which is why writing the book is very important um, because I didn't realize how few people actually knew, knew that. I knew that because my mum is paralyzed and in a nursing home. So from very early on, I was watching the effect of lifespan on people who got more visitors really you firsthand. And I thought that there was something beyond this that I wanted to research. And so that is, that is why the loneliness epidemic is a problem for healthcare professionals around the world is because it's, got real repercussions to our yeah. health and our resilience our immunity I'm of all the people who are saying i have so many friends yet i feel so lonely i'm surrounded by so many people i'm at parties every weekend but yet yeah i'm lonely so just really reflective yeah just really just reflecting on that I of, of course um how do you kind of define this loneliness because you could be alone and not be lonely but you're around it and still be lonely so how do we kind of define this yeah Yeah, a really common question I get asked. So there's a difference between, firstly, there are three types of loneliness, which I'll tell you about in a moment, but there are, there's a difference between loneliness and solitude. Solitude is where you choose to be by yourself. Loneliness is like what we saw during the pandemic when it's enforced. And you can absolutely perceive that you're lonely while surrounded by people. And that's why true connection is becoming this more and more elusive thing to find. So there are three primary types of uh, loneliness. One is, and this is by Bruce A. Austin from the Rochester University of Technology. So he had a loneliness scale to measure loneliness. And the first one is intimate loneliness. This is where we crave a, um, a partner, a spouse, a best friend, someone we can truly be vulnerable and be ourselves with and be loved unconditionally. The next rung is a relational loneliness. This is where people feel they're not part of a social fabric that they can pick ah. up a phone in a crisis and ask people for help. Um, or maybe these common. are for people who don't talk to their family members. And the third yeah. rung, and this is where really common, yeah. Um, and then the third rung of uh, loneliness is collective loneliness. And this is where people feel they don't have a group of people that share a like-minded mission, a goal, or a hobby. So you can see collective loneliness shop where people become part of extreme political and ideological and religious groups. You can see that when people join the cults, it's because they are craving collective connection. They don't have people. And that's why when you and I find each other on um, Instagram, we feel less alone because we identify we're in a similar niche. We have similar interests. We feel we have a collective commonality that binds us. Now, you need to have all three of these rungs to be healthily socially connected. Most people don't. They perceive that they have to find, firstly, all three of those rungs. Young people often think they have to, not yeah. that I'm not young, but I'm not teenager anymore. So adolescents think that, often they have to find all those three mm. rungs of connection in one human being. And that's really hard to have a, find a boyfriend or a girlfriend that has going to fill all those things for you. It's not going to happen. Mm. You need different types of connection. And it's okay that not every, the cycling group you're part of that gives you collective connection does not need to be the people that you show your deepest, darkest soul with. It's okay to have people that you just rally around a common um goal or a common hobby that's okay and i think defining it that way for people allows them to just have better parameters in terms of identifying when they're lonely because most lonely people don't really know that they're lonely 
until they're no longer lonely and they look back. And so that's also a problem, which is why awareness about this topic is really important because you can identify if you're lonely by things like you don't sleep well. So one of the first things, signs of loneliness is micro awakenings in the sleep. So if you had very vivid dreams during the pandemic or you had broken sleep, it wasn't due to so much the stress. It was due to the fact that when we were evolving in those early hunter-gatherer societies and we were cast out of the tribe, instead of having another tribes person to keep watch over us at night when we slept, we now had to wake up during the night many times to keep watch for ourselves. And to this day, Dr. Louise Hawkley, who's a specialist in the area, she uses micro-awakenings in the sleep as a gauge for how lonely someone is. So if you are having less than good sleep, you could be lonely. Um, and, of course, that's how we see loneliness linking to things like depression, anxiety. If you're not sleeping, it's going to break down some basic right. functionalities in your yeah. brain, right, if you're not sleeping well. Um, so this is why loneliness is a precursor to a lot of these issues and why... Um, Lonely people need to look out for the signs that they might be lonely with actual physiological things like that. Uh, other signs could include isolating yourself further, holding yourself, holding your friends to a higher standard than is necessary. So, for example, if somebody says they can't make it because they're ill um, and you, you just want to write them off and say, see, I knew they weren't oh there for me anyway, goodness. this is a sign of loneliness. Yeah. So blocking and cutting off. Cancelling people. I'm choosing and not really kind of considering other person as their own oh my goodness should we call you dr simone hey from now on <laughs> no i i am just the conduit for all the yeah. amazing real real doctors whose studies i base my work on and hopefully become a mouthpiece because I, I was a broadcaster so I can speak to amplify the hard work of these researchers. I've got a whole bookcase behind me full of their books and their studies. And there was something liberating for me as someone who's dealt with a lot of trauma and a lot of loneliness in my own family to realize that these feelings that I had, I didn't need to loathe myself over them. Right. They're backed by science. So you've got to stop beating yourself about them. It's not that you're unlovable and no one wants you. It's a spiral. So the first indication of pang of loneliness. Then you hold people to the highest standard. Of course, they're, they're turned off by either your desperation, your neediness, or your propensity to cut them off and be snappy. Then that makes you feel more lonely, and it's a cycle. And being lonely makes us cognitively less astute. So you actually get dumber right around the time you should be getting dumber because you become lonelier. So it's a terrible spiral. So if, if you are registering any of the things that I've talked about, please grab yourself some amazing books on the subject. They all quote largely the same studies by James Cone, um, Dr. Cassiopo. These are the people. And I want you to release yourself from feeling like you should be loathing yourself because these are, this is all a natural biological response to feeling social rejection or feeling like we're cast out of that tribe that we are all lost from because of the way well, we currently live with our technology. Asian cultures and African cultures is the family structure and how, you know, you're kind of told how to live your life, how to feel, when to feel it, if you should feel or should not feel and kind of being cast away root of life. And so when you talk about traumas, that's the first thing that came to, li um, to, to light when you say 
I can't believe you have not read my book. My entire book is about being Asian and going through these things. Um, I think it's really going to resonate with you and I hope it arrives for you soon. And so the book is, my trauma is largely about feeling uh, what I call relational loneliness, so feeling um, like I didn't belong within my own family. And our first feelings of connection are developed by the relationship we have with our primary caregiver. And for me, that was my mum. And I always felt a lack of love and a lack of affection, as many Asian children feel within their own families. But specifically with us, and I think from um, what I know from one of my really good friends, an ex-boyfriend of mine who's Nigerian, from what I know from that part of African culture as well, this kind of lack of affection, a lot of criticism, but maybe not a lot of praise like our non-African or Asian counterparts might experience. I grew up in Australia with my friend's parents being very affectionate and very, being very openly congratulatory about their achievements that sometimes my own Asian parents would not even consider achievements, you know, that were so complimented and how alone that made me feel even from them when I went to school. And this all showed up in the way that I therefore went to connect with other people. Um, and so this is all something that we can all just be aware of and we can all heal from and the healing never ends. But certainly if we do that work will allow us to be much more cognizant when we go out to interact with other people and therefore building better relationships, bringing connection back into our lives to heal and soothe us because connection literally heals the stress in our bodies. It helps to heal wounds even, the, the power of touch. So if you can imagine that what we've gone through that trauma as children can be healed by setting up healthy connections into our adult life, which is wonderful. It's just it literally when people say my friends and my family and not my family is not my family, my friends and my family, that's and literally so what you're doing. Of my audience is typically young professionals, entrepreneurs, people who are really looking to get some knowledge. I find uh, something also very common among them is just being so stressed at work and just feeling like they can't trust anyone. And now I'm thinking about this topic of loneliness and you establishing authentic human connection and i'm probably wondering I'm probably thinking okay someone just yeah. like okay so how's me progress at work and then earlier you mentioned that you get dumber if you don't have any real connection so how did how does kind of establishing women yeah. maybe or not um within the workplace understand how you relate with people at work and ultimately progress within your workspace Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few things we need to look at there. So for those people who are entrepreneurs or solopreneurs like I am, um, there is a fantastic article that I am featuring in Forbes. If you go to my Instagram profile later and you click on the, the Forbes um, tile, you can have a look there at a lot of information about how to fight mm -hmm. loneliness as an entrepreneur. Now to address the toxic workplace question because any workplace where you are feeling like you don't belong and that is an experience that is so visceral for me the bullying that i went through at my last radio station before becoming a speaker i completely lost my voice you can uh, there are many um bits of content online where i talk about this there's a speech on youtube where i talked about this in canada um at a speech there and and basically we know that there is a global workplace loneliness issue. Now, the organization defines this as a reduction really for them in the success of the company because 
what they found is that people who don't feel connected to their work teams we're seeing this with remote work specifically and maybe even toxicity so we don't know how many people in these studies actually worked at toxic workplaces as well right so they don't feel bonded to their work team which means they don't feel invested in the success of that team and therefore that team is not successful for the organization and this is a huge thing which is leading to employee attrition and, and the great resignation and in 2018 Gallup did a study that found that people who had a workplace uh, best buddy were twice as engaged as people who were lonely in the workplace so the quiet quitter is actually also a result of employee loneliness so people just being checked out doing the job for a paycheck they don't like the team they really don't care about the organization and it's a massive problem now let's throw into the mix when you have a toxic colleague or a toxic boss like i had that bullies you makes you feel like you're not included in the team makes you feel like you're um you don't belong um there's not much that's going to keep yeah. somebody at work in that environment so here's how you know and you're you're in so do, how do we know if we're just lonely because we're an entrepreneur which i think you can read the article and that will solve a lot of your problems how do we know we're lonely because of workplace loneliness or are we lonely because we have a toxic environment so here's how you know you're in a toxic environment all of the truth happens between the meetings not in the meeting no one feels confident to speak up um in meetings or dispute management um these are all signs of toxic workplaces um in fighting between employees backstabbing um these are some of the symptoms there are many reels on my thing which is like the five subtle signs in a toxic workplace check that out that will make it very very clear to you if you're in a toxic work culture the chance of making in a more connected place is really rare that needs to come in from the top down where they bring in a consultant they rework the whole culture and that's very very rare that means the organization has to want to throw a big budget behind doing that and get rid of some of the people that are causing that toxicity and for me it was very clear that the place that I was working had really bad glass door reviews and was kind of nationally notorious and it wasn't going to get better so I made the plan to leave and it's one of the best things that I've ever done However, if you are just experiencing employee loneliness where you don't feel connected with your teams, there are quite a few ways you can show up to do this better. Firstly, um you can look around at people who are onboarded during the pandemic in a remote situation and reach out to them and volunteer to be their buddy, showing them the ropes of the workplace. Um that person will really really appreciate it really really show up for you and that can actually lead to more cohesiveness because they could pass that feedback on to your boss. These activities I'm giving you are for the non-toxic workplace. They do not apply to the place with a disconnected culture. They apply to a place where there's loneliness based on the logistics of the pandemic. Um you you certainly can lobby your managers and ask for some team building opportunities that do not happen on remote sessions because no one wants to live on Zoom and do like pub quizzes on Zoom anymore. So in-person bonding activities, you can join within your organization groups that have that commonality connects that I was talking to you about before. So diversity inclusion groups, um sporting groups at at your organization, places where you could find commonalities with other members of the team. And these are just some simple simple things that can allow you to show up. 
and making that effort because if you've been in a pandemic and your social skills have atrophied and you're feeling like, oh, I don't really want to come early to the meeting and chit chat beforehand, that could be your lonely brain just telling you that. Um, I've even experienced that myself because Singapore is only yeah. really, we've come out of things very late and even having to say, hey, you've got to make an extra effort, like make an extra effort because these things are important. Okay. So yeah, those yeah, are some of the ways. You being a communicator is that you will provide the resources and there are plenty of resources online and I've taken some things on myself and it's really, really aided me. So we're really getting about human connection. The words I've kind of figured they're often used loosely, uh, authenticity, people are looking for authenticity, but they can give it themselves. Talk about human connection. It's like, what kind of human connection are we talking about? you alluded to re requiring some sort of uh, emotional connection with someone who is just a friend, nothing but a friend or just a colleague nothing but a colleague so what is uh, establishing with they or what is authentic human connection actually mean so firstly let's define authenticity which gets thrown around a lot I define authenticity as the act of having all of your internal values aligned with your behaviors. I used to be very out of sync um, up until about five years ago. My um, internal values, my internal opinions, my thoughts were not aligned with my behaviors. When I aligned the two of them and lived authentically, my entire world changed. It exploded. You become extremely powerful because you realize that so many people are not aligning those things in the world because there's so many blocks. It could be filial pressure. It could be um, they're working at a company that they don't believe in, but they do it because they need the money, things like this. So when those things aligned, it became incredibly um, yeah. wonderful to wake up every morning. So that's authenticity. So are you authentic person? Okay. And then connection is an exchange right? Connection happens with an exchange of energy. I define human connection um, very specifically of the, you know, as the act of being able to exchange energy with another person um, and really, really seeing and feeling and discovering yourself in that other person. That often doesn't happen in the digital way that we're connecting. To really discover yourself in another person like is very difficult, I think. So, so this, yeah, discovering yourself another person is like, as you're getting to know the other person, you're learning more about yourself. And there's something called social penetration theory that basically says um, that the more time you spend with someone, the more they disclose some, more about themselves with you. So it's really vulnerability showing up in the relationship to be able to discover those deeper layers of another human. But let's put those two things together. How do you know that a connection is authentic? And for me, um, you can tell an, an authentic connection um, by reciprocity. That's one of the big things. So you often hear people talking about, you know, like I always have to go to that person's house or they never call me. I'm always chasing yeah. the relationship or it's really hard work. Um, when it's authentic, it's just a natural like ping pong back and forth. It's those people in your life that when they show up, you could not have seen them for years, but no one says anything about it. It's totally fine. You know, and I think that that's they're the friendships you have to look out for. They're the people that you can call in the existential crisis. They're the people as Susan Pinker, please look at her work as well. She defines authentic connection as 
um, people you can call to borrow money if you need to. People you can call in an existential crisis when you're doubting your life. People who will pick you up from the hospital. These are the people. And they're the people whose friendships extend our lifespan, increase our immunity. They are the ones that give us all those well-being benefits. It's normally about a group of five, really, that show up in our life. So think about those five closest people and invest there where you mm. feel that reciprocity, where it's effortless. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's a beautiful thing. We all need five of those, just five, Absolutely. not a lot. And what are those them. who, and I've heard this a lot, where people kind of feel like they, they just met a stranger and they connect more with that particular stranger as opposed to people that they've known for years. Kind of been confused by are we are we talking in a romantic context? context? Like just just being able to connect with someone, you're like, gee whiz, like why weren't you my friend ten years ago? I could have gotten rid of these other people. <laughs> well, I think that getting rid of these other people thing is maybe symptomatic of the culture right now, and we need to. Um, I'm quite active on TikTok, and we need to look at, at that because that also, with the rise of the metaverse, is going to cause some very specific mental health issues for us if we're going to be cutting people off and, and living in virtual worlds and all those things. But let's bring it back to the first bit of meeting someone and you feel like you've known them forever. I think that that's when, when I say human connection is the energetic rapport we've all experienced when we can see, feel, and discover ourselves in the other person. That mm. seeing part is really what happens. When we establish rapport, rapport is the connection we have when we first meet someone. And largely, rapport is where other people perceive us to be more like them. So it's really when you can see yourself in another person, there's a lot of commonality. Mm. That's the connection you're seeing. Whereas friends you've had for years, maybe you no longer see yourself very much in them, that you've outgrown what you had in childhood. And that's not bad either. Okay. That's to be human and that's normal. But really what you're seeing at that beginning it's not yet become an authentic connection it's establishing the first pillar of connection which is rapport from rapport we build trust trust is then the cornerstone of connection and over time once there's trust in that relationship mm -hmm. then that's an authentic connection the connection that you're seeing at the beginning is just a connection it's not the authentic connection yet authentic human connections and is it something that we're trying to establish with everyone that we meet so that we feel good and they feel good or is it just particular to certain individuals that we want to last in our lives um i think it's about the five closest people that studies show you'll spend almost 50 percent of your social time with Okay, so these are your authentic connections. These are the people with which you can be most vulnerable that extend your lifespan, increase your immunity. There is no decent evidence, so just for the people on here who might be a bit younger than me, there is no decent scientific evidence to support that virtual connections build, so people you will never eventually meet will in have those well-being benefits the same way in-person authentic connections will. So that's the first thing. And Susan Pinker says that digital connection is the junk food equivalent of authentic connection. So that means you will feel really like when you eat a McDonald's burger, it feels so good, girl. So you will feel good in the moment and it feels fantastic, but it won't nourish you with those well-being benefits that the in-person connection does. So firstly, let's get a handle on um, those authentic connections will be people that you meet in person, firstly, as a qualifier. 
um, they will be the people that really show up for you and you can really call on in a crisis. And that's really the baseline for authenticity. Mm. And they are people that you trust. They're this people that you trust. Yeah. So if you're surrounded... Yeah, if you're running around with people and going to the club with people that you spend a lot of time with, but do you really trust that person? That's going to tell you it's probably not an authentic... It's a connection. That's not bad. We need all types of connection. But your trust quota for them might not fully that. be there. You don't trust them completely. They're talking about digital connections. Oh, Manx. Yeah. I would love to <laughs> claim that as my own Manx, but it, right. it is not belonging to me. And speaking of speaking of food, yeah. I do have to eat soon, my darling. So <laughs> what other questions may we have? Um, Two more. Okay, let's hit it. Let's hit it. Well, fake substitutes in your book. What are these fake substitutes? Yeah. So fake substitutes are those. Have you ever been around people? that actually it makes you feel mm. more alone being around them. Right. We've been around those people before. You know, those um, are superficial. Mm. Look, we need all different types of connection. I would actually say that a superficial in-person connection uh, is preferable to a digital connection. By that I mean superficial as in the lady at the corner store who gives you your shopping or the old woman that you help cross the street or your neighbor that you just wave and make eye contact. That is preferable to a scrolling, swiping digital connection or an in-person yeah. connection that makes you feel bad about yourself or makes you feel more alone because their value system is so at odds with yours. So they would be the things that I'm referring to as fake substitutes and, and the digital connections that you're basically being catfished. Yeah. That's not, that's a fake substitute. Let's be honest. That's a person that's not showing up really as who they are. And that is taking up very prime real estate in a digitally distracted world. It's taking up time that you could be out there spending with right. in-person connections that you love. So that's what I refer to as fake substitutes. Yeah, I think we have a question that got pinned, right. did we? Uh, it's back. Okay, cool. Um, the question is, yeah, do you see it as well? Um, oh, here it is. Anyone you meet with? Yeah, I can't meet when it scrolls out. The, we don't meet someone without calling it a connection uh, by yell door. Um, yeah, so what we're talking about is um, authentic mm. connection versus just a connection, just to define that. Yeah, so we can use the terminology. It's a connection. Of course it is. Um, so it's a connection as in the noun, but we have it's not the same noun as like we have a connection it's just a connection and then authentic connection there's a reason that on yeah. this live we've given a different title there because right. that is and something so, different yeah yeah and i think it's interesting sorry. we've had sorry i think it's so interesting that we've had to come up with yeah. that new terminology very recently whereas i think a generation even before us they're like what do you mean a connect i know what connection means i don't have to but now because of the way we're living so siloed and being lonelier than ever we really have to define it for people which i think is and fascinating so and says life, a lot um how do you kind of how, how have you seen you try how do i rephrase aha uh -huh, here's my question connecting with yourself because you seem very whole and very connected with yourself so it's like you establish an authentic connection with yourself as a 
first and establishing your values and your beliefs and aligning them. And then it came out to the whole world because I'm thinking of the statement that says we often see the world as we are and not as it is. So can just touch on that. Yeah. 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 So self-connection is defined in my book by Tim Sit, who's a Canadian social worker, as the act of being in touch with the worthiness of oneself regardless of the external experience you're having. So let's do a self-connection exercise right now everybody in the live. It's a simple 448 breathing technique and I'm going to tell you after we do it why we're doing it, okay? So let's breathe in for four. Hold it for four and breathe out for eight. Now when you do this repeatedly for at least 2 minutes or more, what it does is it releases happy hormones in the body one of which is oxytocin which is the social bonding hormone which is the hormone we need for building trust in relationships and this is why when you are stressed and we see in stressful workplaces it's more difficult for you to connect with people um because you're in this non-mindful fight or flight mode what that also means is when people like oh my god i met this guy and he's amazing and i met him because i was open oxytocin is what builds the openness versus i'm walking through the world projecting my internal world on other people which i have done many times and failed at many times in my life and i think when we talk about self connection we cannot connect well with others without connecting well with ourselves first and this is what it's referring to We're all stressed, we're all running around, we're all digitally distracted. So how can we possibly have that oxytocin for showing up with people? And I I absolutely the first half of the book is all about self-connection. Self-connection definitely. I don't know when people purchase your first. book. I'm sure they're like, "Oh my goodness, it's time. Let me get this back now." <laughs> Oh my goodness. I would love people to purchase the book. Um it is in the link in my IG bio right now. It's available on Amazon globally if you're watching in Singapore. I think they all already know that they can get it on my um yeah, on my uh, at Kinokuniya bookstores here. So that's where you can get the book. Um I also have a public speaking community if you want to learn to speak a little bit like I speak. And you can go to creativespeaking.com. So it's such a rare sunshine full is unmatched and digital virtual rather interaction i feel like you're right here with me oh i feel that's the same about you you are a light my dear you are a light <laughs> listen to auntie you are a light princess and so i'll take your word for it thank you auntie simone is telling you, so you straight much. lady everyone who's been listening uh, this is conversations with fafana teacher lovely simone hang go purchase her book I love you so much and I can't wait to meet you soon. Putting it out in the universe is going to happen. <laughs> oh my god, you do it anytime you're in Singapore. You are welcome, my love. You are so welcome. And thank you for doing the work that you do because the world needs intelligent, heart-filled content online you so much, and you're doing uh, it. Have a great evening.